Welcome to Greyhounds Make Great Pets with Rory Garay, TJ Beater, and Kathy Garay. Each week, we talk about the connections between owners and their pets with an emphasis on topics that apply to greyhounds. If you want to hear more about your best friend, stay tuned. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to another episode of Greyhounds Make Great Pets. My name is Rory Garay. Today's show is going to be about all the positive changes that have taken place over the last 20, 25 years in greyhound racing and greyhound adoption. And as I was preparing for this show, uh, I was reminded as a child, I uh, grew up in the heartland. Well, screw that. I didn't grow up in the heartland. I grew up in the armpit of California. I can remember going next door. There was a big, empty field, dirt lot, and that was where the local pound was at and I remember they had dug a bunch of holes and there was all these mounds and I was out there playing in the mounds and I and I think back at it the, some of the things that were in the mounds there that I was playing with was a bunch of bones and at that point in time years ago they the pound was bringing in animals if they couldn't get them adopted they were putting them down and then just taking them out back and burying them that no longer would happen in today's environment because over time Things change. What was acceptable then is no longer acceptable now. And there have been a lot of positives that have happened in the greyhound racing and greyhound adoption community. With that, here in the studio is Miss Kathy. Kathy, how are we doing today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Well, I think, should we just now bring in TJ? I think we should. Make it a a trifecta. Yeah, TJ, how are we doing? Hi, guys. Doing great. You looking forward to today's talk? I am very much looking forward to today's talk. Uh, We are going to be speaking with uh, one of the best friends that I have uh, had the pleasure of meeting in the racing industry. We have uh, developed a friendship over the past, oh, 20 plus years. So I'm looking forward to speaking with her online with everyone listening. Right. Well, you know, today's guest was on uh, Greyhounds Make Great Pets years ago, and I had actually was listening to one of the old CDs, and it happened to be the show that she was on, and I was like... My God, we got to get her back on. She is just fabulous. So I think you have known her a little longer than me, so I'll I'll give you the privilege of introducing her to our listeners. I would love to do that. Um, I won't take any further ado since I've already spoken about our friendship other than to say she is an incredible person. She is knowledgeable from every aspect of greyhound rearing, racing, and adoption and is amazing in each and every aspect of it and is uh, what I consider a pioneer in, in both both areas. And with that, I'd like to say welcome to Vera Rasnak. Oh, thank you, Tanya. That's quite an introduction to live up to. I appreciate it. And uh, hello to Rory and Kathy. Hey, Vera. Vera, you know, we've, you, Tanya, TJ, and myself, uh, Kathy, we've all been involved in, a, in this for a long, long time. Um, you know, we go back years and years. Is there one thing that stands out to you that you think has just been the most tremendous thing to happen for, for Greyhounds? Well, I, if I had to pick one tremendous thing, it would just be the way that adoption has grown and the interaction between, you know, tracks, uh, greyhound owners, adoption. Because, you know, I'll go back to a story 
Um, I think I'm, I'm going to guess it was 1996 uh, when I first met all of, all of you guys pretty much at uh, an adoption convention that was in Atlanta, Georgia. And the funny thing about it was there really wasn't any track people that had gone to these things. And I really didn't know anything about it except I started uh, volunteering and working with uh, GPA Tampa Bay back then, and that's where I met Tanya and uh, Marianne, the current president. And they said, you know, you should go to this. You should go. And uh, I said, really? You know, they uh, detract people go, and they they're like, who cares? You know, you should go. You're involved in adoption. And when I went, I will say I got somewhat of a reluctant uh, welcome for many people. It was almost like. Why is she here? What is she doing here? She is one of them, you know, from some of the other groups. And I have to say that over the years, those same people have become very good friends. And, you know, it, it just, it, that's what I've seen. I've seen overwhelming um, support from the adoption community that have gone out and, you know, sought information for themselves. I mean, Greyhound Racing may not be perfect, but it certainly isn't uh, the negative that the activists have put out there and continue to put out there for fundraising. Exactly. You, j- you just made a great point there. I'd like anyone to point out to me something that is 100% perfect. They're not going to be able to. But I just wanted you to know that now when we have our conferences and you're not there, people are like, where is she? Why isn't she here? <laughs> oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was really good because you know there were so many points that were brought up and so many things, and it really isn't you know black and white, and that's what was special about it because you know on on both sides at the time there were you know adoption people that were anti racing and. There were, you know, racing people that were anti-adoption. They didn't want to work with any of the groups. They didn't, you know, they felt like they were being exploited. And it was through communication, which, you know, Greyhound Pets of America, you know, in my opinion, were the pioneers that kind of reached out and started conversations going. Other groups, um, you know, did the same thing. And, and we've got a huge network out there now, you know, all over the world, actually. I mean, in America and around the world of people that understand it. And it's it's grown to be so positive. Exactly. And, you know, with your story about your first meeting uh, coming to the GPA conference at that time, I, uh, years ago, I uh, went to my first AGTOA conference. And I know you and I attended several of them t- together. And I remember the first time I had to go in to give him a presentation on adoption. I was scared going in there. And, as you know, I actually thought I was going to be walking into a smoke-filled dark room and have a bunch of angry people (laughs) asking me all sorts of angry questions. And I can honestly say, when I walked in there, everyone shook my hand. They asked me great questions. We, And from that point on, I have developed some great friendships with many people in in the industry, whether they're a track owner, uh, Dylan at the NGA office, a kennel owner, um, dog owners, you know, everyone. And it is a great. And I think over the years, that has been something that has driven a great positive is the relationships that we have built up now. Oh, I agree. And, you and know, I, I, I tend to agree um, with that. Oh. 
Well, yes. It- well, you know, and, and there was something uh, on, you know, social media, which is huge, as you know, right now. Um, we had uh, seen something on Protect the Harvest, and um, it was on there about, you know, a one of the organizations, you know, looking to fundraise. And the funny thing is, there's not, you know, the one positive thing, there is not an adoption problem in the industry itself. And that's the sad part of the the fundraising. The positive is, you know, the industry and all of the groups involved, especially, you know, group GPA, are do, you know, have gone above and beyond for years to make sure that the dogs are adopted. And I think that's, you know, that's so positive and that never gets, you know, the dues. It never gets the accolades it deserves. All right. Well, I'm just going to bring up something with the, there was recently, actually yesterday on uh, social media. And I think the, the friendships that we have built up have helped dogs, uh, helped us out a lot on the adoption side. You know, I remember the early days when I got involved being told, because I'd asked a question, well, how about we talk to the trainer? Maybe they can give us some information on the dogs. And as I don't ever talk to them, they don't know anything. And since then, I've learned you guys, the industry people, know a lot about these dogs, and they offer some valuable information. And we have learned since then to work with them and get out the correct information, and also that these dogs don't, we don't need sympathy adoptions. These dogs, if you know them and you can sell them truthfully, they sell themselves. And I just want to interject here for a minute. We have John Parker f- joining in with us for today's show. John, welcome aboard. Hello. P- apologies for my tardiness. I'm like a greyhound leaving the starting box late. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're going in the right direction now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Um, Rory, very Rory, you can get back. Rory, I would like to also add here, and in, I guess uh, we should remind people that we are on a little bit of a delay here, so when you see us over talking, it's not that we're trying to interrupt people, it's just that the yeah. slight delay with the, the voices are, uh, we, we don't know when we're going to be speaking over one another. But I would like to add to that uh, what Rory said about the greyhounds sell themselves, and, and that is very true. Um, whenever you, you see a, a happy greyhound uh, wagging tails, and, they're, and, and most of them, they're we have, one of the jokes that, uh, that we have amongst the national officers uh, is that a greyhound is one one breed of dog that you can be standing there holding a greyhound, your own personal greyhound even, and someone come up and you hand the lead off to them and they'll just happily jaunt off. A good good majority of them will <laughs> and go, oh, okay, another adventure. Well, that's because they are used to being handled by multiple people and the the leads being handled over to multiple people, and they're in such a social environment, they wouldn't think for one second that anything untoward would, would happen. Um, they're just like, oh, another person. Okay, they're going to take me for a walk. And that's because of, of the constant socialization and the handling that they get from birth on. Um, they always have such a positive outlook for other people. So the dogs do sell themselves in many ways because of everything that happens to them from birth right through training and, and racing and then on that all carries on over into adoption. I think that's very true. I know when I was first looking into getting a dog, I was actually leaning to what I grew up with, which was German Shepherds. Um, I had gone to a local festival 
and there had been an adoption group there with some dogs. And in the middle of this festival, with the bands and the people and the food, there was two greyhounds sleeping, just snoozing away, not care in the world. And I went, you know, this has got to be, oh, these must be just dogs used to being, you know, out in public. They do this all the time. They bring them to these events. And they were like, no, this, this is how they are. And gosh darn if they weren't correct. Well, and that's, I think, a, a, a good thing that's happened over the years. I remember when I got my first Greyhound and I took her out for a walk, I was always hearing people say, what is that? They didn't know what it was. Now people know what they are. Uh, more people have been educated. And I think it's been a positive. I do think we need to do more, like with what happened this year at Heart of America, where a lot of people came in for that event, got to go to the farms, got to go to the training track. These are important things because once you learn about the dog, you can really appreciate what they are and put these myths that are out there about the dogs aside and know them and love them for what they really are. And it also allows you to... And the one thing I would like to add to that as well is uh, whenever you said something about going to the AGTOA um, convention um, in the dark smoke-filled room and all that... There's a huge misconception about who trainers are, who who breeders are, um, and, and who handles these dogs every day. And I think Vera being on is a, a prime example of that. There are a lot of professional, educated women that are are interested in the sport, are supportive of the sport, supportive of greyhound adoption. And Vera has seen every aspect of it, from the, the racing side um, in the kennels to the track side and in adoption. So the, the concept or notion that this is just a, a man's sport is, is not correct at all. Uh, there's lots of women involved in, in those things, and this, I'm currently in adoption and have always been an adoption. I do not have a, a racing greyhound, but I have many, many, many female friends who are in, in the, the racing aspect of it, and it, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. And we just happen, so happen to have one of the pioneers on today. Yeah. So, and I'd love, I can't wait to delve into a little bit of that with her. Well, why don't you go for it? Um, we'll let you take control. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. Um, Vera, uh, going back to, to us, and you know my history very, very well, uh, I was never brought into this, as many have been, with an anti-racing mentality. And uh, you played a large part of that. Uh, we came into GPA Tampa Bay at about the same time to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was mm-hmm. GPA Largo at that time. Um, right. And, and I didn't really know your history, but... I never really considered that someone would find something cruel about a dog doing what it loves to do. Can you tell us a little bit about how you did get started in the industry? Uh, we, we kind of know now how you got into adoption, but, but what was your start within the racing community? Well, I mean, just briefly, um, I basically, my dad, my dad loved the greyhounds. He actually loved the horses. And in Wheeling, West Virginia, it used to be a horse track, uh, they a greyhound track bought it in 1976 turned it into wheeling downs and 
In 78, um, I was a single parent trying to find a job. The only thing I could find was a lead out, and I took it, and the minute I touched them, that was it. I mean, they, they are magical, and, you know, and since then, I mean, I, I love them, and I've always felt, um, you know, very protective of them, uh, as, you know, as you know, uh, have seen me yes, in, in many aspects, and... You know, there, you know, just the sport on, and as you said, there's so many misconceptions. But you know, it's it's not perfect. I mean, yeah, years and years ago, uh, yeah, it was very male dominated, as Rory said. You know, pretty much cigar smoking older guys. Uh, you know, you might you might see a dark room or whatever. You know, it, it was uh, you know it was that type of sport. And over the years, it has evolved and. And as you said, it never really got its due. And as it progressed, you know, there have been more and more women get involved. And I think it's been very satisfying. And I think that's why so many jumped up to the plate, um, you know, with the Florida situation and everybody uh, got involved. You know, unfortunately, that's another story. It was a little too late. But seeing the numbers that came in, it's just been you know, it's it's been fantastic to see that the sport was there. You know, and and uh, like I said, that's another story. <laughs> we could definitely do another show on that. <laughs> and, and I've always had sort of a little bit of a theory uh, on uh, with the advent of social media, which obviously hasn't been in for the entire history of greyhound racing. As a matter of fact, just a, a small portion of it, or even greyhounds coursing and obviously you can go back centuries with with things like that but it's always been an appreciation of what the breed does and 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 they're truly amazing to watch and my first experience with watching even seeing a greyhound in person was at derby lane in st petersburg and um i I was mesmerized by it you, you you don't really know or understand or appreciate what these dogs do and what they how they perform it's just it's a thing of beauty to watch them um it it's amazing that that they're the second fastest land animal on earth and then you walk them off the track and they're as soon as they get to the lure at the end of the race the tails are up and wagging and happy and and it's the same as they're walking off and it's like that it satisfies them as a breed in their their younger years and their youth when they have lots of energy it, it's what they want to do they love it they thrive off of it and I, I've even as an adoption person had a 12 year old as a matter of fact he came over from Ireland to race in the Derby Lane Million the first one even at 12 years old he still ran around my backyard on a daily basis at full tilt. It's just, a, it's, it's in their genes. So it's, it's truly something that if you get it and you take the time to learn about the breed, about what they love, and appreciate them for what they are, it's, it's truly a, a magical experience with a magical breed. Um, and you got started as a lead out. Um, and I got started in adoption the first the first day I was there. I was upset that I couldn't get to the to the dogs to to pet them, of course, uh, when they were getting ready to race. But the next day I was on the phone with Derby Lane, uh, finding out 
where to go to volunteer for the, you know, Greyhound adoption. And I was right. there ever since. So, um, well, and I it just never occurred to me. Right. And that was some of the things that, you know, we did at Derby that made it good. And I, I think is letting people back in. And I think, you know, that's another positive, you know, as Rory's looking for positives in the industry as many people, you know, they didn't know. And, um, you know, nobody really had access before, you know, a lot of access Mm -hmm. was, was kept away for, fear of what people would say, you know, it didn't matter, um, whether, you know, whether it was true or not. So many, so many, uh, things have been said that aren't true. So many media have taken things out of context that, you know, the Greyhound people and many racetracks wanted nothing to do with allowing people for, you know, the fear of the lies that were spread and things that were taken out of context. And it's just nice that people are finding out using their own brains and, and, you know, and, and investigating as one should on something they're trying to find out instead of just hunting and regurgitating something that they find on the internet. Exactly. Uh, I, I totally agree with that. And one of the, one of the reasons that I, I my theory is that oftentimes the ones that are in the industry are very much, and I'm not going to take anything away from um, the fact that the industry should have spoken up earlier um, and done things earlier, like you said, Vera, right. and, and let the let the public into them. But sometimes I often wonder, and it's something that is a good question for you. Aside from the fact that it is a nonstop obligation, responsibility, and pleasure to be working with the dogs. It's, it's, it's never ending. It doesn't end for a holiday. You go in and you do your, 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 you're with the dogs on holidays and things like that. It's, it's when you're caring for a live animal and animals in this situation, that is your life. And I've often wondered if somewhere in the back of their minds, other than you know, the constantly being there with the dogs and not out championing, champion, championing that was hard to say, <laughs> for the dogs as far as is selling them to the public uh, image-wise, if it was sort of a mentality that once adoption came along, I'm going back to that, they sell themselves. And the logical thought process is no, no animal that has been treated with any cruelty whatsoever is going to be able to present themselves straight off the track, basically, to the public as anything but a well-adjusted sound animal. And and that was part of the mistake, is just assuming that people would see how happy and cared for the dogs were. You know, now I'm not taking away from the fact that there are going to be shy dogs, just like they're shy people. Um, you know, they have personalities very much different from one another, and, and you know that better than anyone. Um, but for the most part, you just you get these happy, healthy, bouncy dogs, and maybe part of that mistake was assuming that the public would understand when they saw a happy, healthy dog that they were treated that, you know, they were treated very, very well. They were fed well, they were exercised well, they were socialized well. Um, kind of what is your thought on that? Well, as I said, you know, that 
that leads back to, you know, the Florida, and we could do a whole show on that. But basically, I, I do think if we were going to say anything backwards that way, sure, you know, um, a lot of us, you know, people, when you're doing things right and you know that you're doing things right, you tend to tune out any negativity because you know you know that doesn't pertain to you. And I think, you know, hindsight, sure, you know, it may not have pertained to the majority, but, um, you know, the, the isolated incidents were taken so out of context, you know, that it, that it definitely gave a different imagery. But, you know, our host with Rory and Kathy, they've seen many happy greyhounds and they can also talk about the positive of owning them. Definitely. But do you think we, maybe we should take a, a little break here? Right. Well, we? yeah, we're going to, I'm positively sure that we do need to take the dogs out for a turnout. So I think we'll... Did you say positively? Maybe. Pause? <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to pause? But, but I do think when we come back, what we will do is we're going to talk about the most remarkable miracle that has happened. Where we are today, where so many greyhounds, just about every greyhound is getting into an adoption, and how that happened. People need to understand that this amazing thing that happened was because of adoption and the industry, us working together. That, to me, is the most positive thing that has happened, how we have magically worked together. And I, I don't think it was really magic. We all finally started talking, and we had some something in common, a love for this breed of dogs. Well, once you open those lines of communication, anything is possible. So maybe our engineer can go ahead and take us to or break early. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know what? Faster to break, faster we're back. Yeah. All righty. We'll be right back after these messages. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Very sure has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation, Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. 
Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The GPA, that's Greyhound Pets of America. If you would like information on how you can adopt an ex-racing Greyhound, call 800-366-1472. These dogs are fit, healthy, happy, playful pets, good with children, and oh, do they love lots of hugs. Adopt a cool Greyhound today. Call 800-366-1472. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to Greyhounds Make Great Pets with Rory, TJ, and Kathy. To find out more about the show and what we do, please send an email to gmgp3 at yahoo.com. That's gmgp3 at yahoo.com. Now, back to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Why, thank you, Mr. Medium Voice Announcer Guy. Yes, you are listening to Greyhounds Make Great Pets, where we are accentuating the positive and talking about good stuff regarding greyhound adoption and greyhound racing over the last 20, 25 years. We have an expert panel with us today, so let's get back to gabbing. Exactly, and I think... What we're going to do is I'm just going to talk a little bit about this, and then we'll go to John, Vera, and then uh, TJ. Um, 
a lot has happened over the years, but in the greyhound world, just about every greyhound is getting placed into a home now. When their career is done, whether it's racing or then they go back to breeding, they're getting into homes. And this is something I think is just remarkable that has happened. And I, I just want to hear from each one of you what you think about this and how, how it occurred. Uh, so, John, we'll just kind of start with you. Well, uh, it, it, we were, the 25 years is a, a special number for me because it's exactly 25 years ago that I got involved with Greyhounds and Greyhound Adoption in November of 94, and I was at a meet and greet a week later. And, and back then, uh, once we started our own group in about 98, um, you know, I was the person that got all the calls from the trainers, the kennel operators, the owners, et cetera, asking if we could take their dogs. And uh, everybody wanted you to take their dogs. And there was a little bit of desperation in it as well because nobody wanted to put a greyhound down. They wanted to get them into homes. And so we've come from that to now where the, the shoe is on the other foot, so to speak, and we're the groups calling everybody, do you have any adoptable greyhounds? And uh, uh, so we've got this shortage now. And um, um, that's, that's the progress, so to speak, that's been made. Now, there's many factors in that. The breeding numbers are down and so forth. But I think there's no question that the popularity of greyhounds as pets has mushroomed. And you see them, uh, you know, almost everywhere you go, anywhere the, gray, the dogs are allowed, uh, whether it's a local uh, uh, restaurant with a patio or a Home Depot or a Lowe's or whatever, you'll see a greyhound. And so it's not a, at all unusual anymore. And I think that's been the great positive. And that, that, with that has come the partnership between racing and, and, uh, and adoption rather than the partial hostility that, that w existed back when I started in 1994 because we all realized uh, the need to work with racing, but some people, you know, had to kind of feel like they were gritting their teeth to work with those quote unquote awful racing people. And that just doesn't exist <laughs> anymore. You know, we've come, we've come full circle to where now, I don't know of anybody that doesn't enjoy working with the racing people for the, in the rehoming effort. And we're, <laughs> we're kind of kissing up to them now because we need, <laughs> we need their, uh, uh, their dogs that they're at ready to, um, to, retire and rehome the booties <laughs> on the other foot now <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah oh vera what's your thoughts on on how we got this uh, accomplished well definitely communication uh kicked it off uh education but also i believe that because of all the fostering that uh the groups have done you know especially i know you know firsthand with uh gpa tampa bay and uh, down here in Naples, the group that's down here as well, um, and many of them with the Fosters, because there was there was a belief, oh gosh, probably 40, 50 years ago, you know, that, that these dogs would not make good pets, and that mostly was the farmers that raised them, because, you know, originally greyhounds were brought over here to, you know, to originally to uh, get rid of the jackrabbits in the fields, of uh, the airport in Kansas. I, I can't remember if it was Wichita or what airport, but, you know, that's originally how they they were brought over to get rid of the, the rabbits, you know, that were taken over the airport runways and things. And, uh, you know, the animals were thought to not be good in a family home. You know, basically people were 
um, a little afraid of them because, you know, when you look at a greyhound snout, I mean, they're, the greyhound mouth, it, it just reminds you of a wolf, you know, and people are so afraid. They're like, ooh, do they bite? You know, because they, they are. I mean, the, it's so long. The nose is so long. And I think through the education that we've done over the years, people getting up close to them and fostering, you know, you get them in the foster homes, and you, you guys have all touched base on it. Their personalities are just phenomenal, and they just all, they all have different personalities. Every one of them, they are just no two are exactly the same. And, um, and the, biggest, the biggest thing I chuckle at the most is your adoption groups that say, well, we had another adoption failure. Now, people would hear that on the outside and say, oh, my gosh, poor dog. Well, actually, the failure is the foster home doesn't want to put the dog out to be adopted because they fall in love with them. <laughs> and, and that happens so many times, and, and it's, it's cool. It's a great thing um, with that. But I think, if anything, you know, in, in, in finding out that greyhounds, not only are they great pets, they they uh, they can be service animals. Some of them have become service animals after retirement. Some of them have even done agility. You know, there's so many other things. You know, they're not just. And I've always said, you know, they're not just a dog. I always cringe when they say a dog because I think a greyhound is just so much more than you know, quote a dog. And that's what I think. You know, through the groups and the fostering and. All, you know, all adoptions, getting the word out, taking them out, getting them out in the public. You know, we, you know, the trainers, um, you know, don't do that or to have time to do that, running a racetrack. And, and, you know, adoptions, you know, you guys have done so much for the industry. And if you hadn't, I don't believe that they really have been as popular as they are today. Thank you. Well, I also think with a little bit of what you said, I think we've uh, we've fostered some trust amongst each other. And I know many of us get ridiculed for working with the industry. How dare you? But that working together and that trust that we've fostered, I think, has brought about many more greyhounds into adoption. I, knew, I remember my early days dealing with the uh, farms here in Arizona, Apache uh, Junction, um, Phoenix Greyhound Park, Yuma, Tucson. And I remember I would have farms say, hey, I've got 20 dogs. You need to get them out of here right now. Be like, look, I don't have room for them, but I promise I will come get these dogs within a month. Just hold on to them. Kept my word. We built up trust amongst each other so that they knew, okay, they said they're going to come get the dogs. They will. And we started trusting each other. And I think that fostered where we are today. Well, and I think from myself looking at it from a very outside perspective, whenever by GPA and the industry working together, when there were masses of greyhounds in need, whether they were no longer racing because of a track or maybe out of farm that had closed, GPA and the industry were able, because of, you know, forging and talking and and opening those lines of communication, they were able to work together, get the dogs safely removed, placed, and two other groups, and thus into homes. So it was just a win-win for everybody. Right. Well, speaking back on the trust, I'm going to tell a little story here. Now, Vera, I don't know if you know her. I know she was in Florida, um, Donna Mann. And anyways, Donna used to have a farm out here in Arizona years ago, and she had called me about a particular greyhound she wanted me to pick up at her farm. So I went to the farm to pick the dog up, 
Donna was not there. So I called her up, said, you know, you're not here. She's like, oh, I'll just go in the kennel and grab this dog. And it's like, well, I don't want to go in there. I might grab the wrong dog. It might be your prize racer. She then says, well, just go in the house, wake my husband up. My, okay, I'm not doing that. This is Arizona. People do have guns out here. Uh, but that was the, the type of trust she had in me. Uh, to just say, just go into the kennel, get this dog, or just go wake my husband up. And I think when us all working together has helped foster this environment we have today where just about every greyhound's getting a home. And uh, just like, uh, TJ, what are your thoughts on all this? Um, mine are similar to what you all are saying. I, I did come from the perspective of, I guess, being pro-racing from the very beginning because of knowing people like Vera uh, and, and other people there at Derby Lane. It, it never occurred to me that someone would be upset about the dogs doing what they love to do. And, and I also have that unique perspective of spending, you know, a couple of decades inside of a racing compound. Um, more hours than I can count. And um, seeing how they're treated firsthand, and that's what I would encourage everybody to do. Google is not always the be-all and end-all, and neither is social <laughs> media. If you really want the truth, you need to go out and look for it yourself. Um, and a lot of that comes from just observing the dogs, uh, the racers, uh, the newly retired ones, um, and everything. But it is definitely, it has always been a fostering of trust but the one thing that I, the point that I want to drive home is that some of these organizations say that we have been coerced by the industry, that, that they make us jump through hoops or to be approved or, or, or whatever. Uh, we won't get the dogs. That is the most untrue statement I have ever heard. Do that, are they concerned that they are giving dogs to responsible groups? Certainly. That, that is something that comes along with a history. You have, when you have a history with someone, uh, you feel comfortable with them. You trust them with your dogs. Uh, I think that's an important part. But what I want to really emphasize, no one ever in the industry has ever threatened me, coerced me, asked me, uh, or told me, if you don't take these dogs, you're not going to get dogs. I've never heard anything like that. And I've, it's funny, I've, I've offered to take polygraph tests for stuff like this because there are certain factions out there that don't believe a word that you say, and no one's taken me up on it. Next week on GMGP, um, polygraph tests. <laughs> I'm still willing to do it. You know, <laughs> they want to pay for it. I'm happy to take it because they're going to be very disappointed that I don't fail it. Um, but it's, it's because of the cooperation. Um, I want to do what I'm doing. Um, why, you can't force somebody to do what they already want to do, much like you can't force a greyhound to run whenever that's what the greyhound wants to do. Um, so it's, for me, that is a, a big thing that I would like to emphasize is that those of us in the adoption community, this is what we want to do. This is the way we choose to spend our free time. And I mean free because we're not paid. Um, this is what we love to do. We love the relationships that we have built, the trust that has came out of that, and the incredible amount of knowledge that we have gotten from trainers, breeders, 
everyone, and, and I've truly never been turned away from anyone. They've always been willing to stop and either tell me stories about my own adopted dogs, and I am a foster failure, <laughs> by the way. Um, <laughs> but they, they, will take, they will take their time to tell you things and, and give you a history a lot of times about your own dog. Um, so whenever you have that type of relationship, it's not a chore for anyone. It's not something that anyone is being forced to do. It's a relationship built on trust, based on a history, and of people that truly love the breed. And, and for me, that is, that is the best part of everything, of, of the entire racing adoption wheel, um, is that adoption truly loves what they do, and, and they want to do it. And I think the, the industry enjoys seeing the adoption community step up and talk about their love of the breed and, and their understanding of what makes the greyhound a greyhound. Um, that, for me, is what's probably one of the happiest things that I see that's happened. Right. Well, and you just gave me an idea, and I know we've talked about it before for this show, uh, about the where Kathy piped in with next week on GMGP, the polygraph show, but I'm going to go ahead and do it right here, right now, on Greyhounds Make Great Pets. I'm putting it out. Carrie Thiel, John Parker, you're invited to Greyhounds Make Great Pets for a debate. You can all contact me whether you're going to accept the debate or not, and we will put together a host that is neutral. So there again, it's out. Carrie Thiel, John Parker, the debate. You can either do it or you can be chicken. May I accept right now? Yes, you can. You may. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think don't hold your breath with Carrie, but hey, you put it out there, so let's see what he says. Well, well you know, we're we're very open to it. Um, you know, we, we like to talk about everything related to greyhounds here. So and, and nothing scares me. And you, t uh, TJ, you just also reminded me uh, with another positive that I've seen. There are people that were involved in adoption or are involved in adoption that have now crossed over, just like Vera crossed over from racing into adoption, we now have people that have crossed over from adoption into racing, whether they're working at a racing kennel or now owning a race dog. That's true. Yeah, there are that, a lot. That and is a very positive. Wonderful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even there, that, that just shows how these, our relationships have built over the years. And it, it's just remarkable to just see this, what has been accomplished by, and again, we've got to thank everyone that's been involved. Thank you. You guys have done a great job. And I know it's long hours on the adoption side, and I know it's long hours on the racing side. Anyone who spent some time back there, you, you see how many hours these people put in, and like TJ said earlier, you don't get a day off. It, it might be Christmas, but you're taking care of the dogs, and you're only going to do that if you love them. Right. Well, you know, and I just want to do a quick little plug, too. Along with the adoption, there's so many people that really love the animals that are involved in other ways trying to promote, you know, promote the greyhounds, you know, and try to try to help out with in so many other areas as well, you know, and, and you just... You know, there's it's it's more than just greyhound racing and adoption. You know, and hopefully that with all that's happened, you know, it can stay positive and things will continue to improve. 
you know, as we move forward. Yeah. Well, and I think we've, we've all just got to maybe step aside, take a look, and look at what, what we've done. And we've done some remarkable stuff, but we've got to con- look to see what we need to do going forward. Uh, that was one of the reasons why we started restarted the Greyhounds Make Great Pets was to get information out to as many listeners as possible. And, I, I, you know, just from the last couple of shows that were not Greyhound related, we now have even more audience that were people who may not have listened in but are now listening in and getting to know about the Greyhounds. I think we need to work even a little harder on our public relations. And Vera is a wonderful public relations person. If, if anyone gave me something to be in charge of and I need a PR, Vera is the one I'm going to. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, and it's you. You can you can see hear it in your voice, your passion for the dog and for adoption, and that's what you want out of people. And I that's what I want people who might be interested in learning more about the breed to talk to people like Vera, to talk to people like Dennis McCann. They have a passion, and people like Vera and Dennis, if you talk to them, you're going to learn something that is going to strengthen that bond between you and your animals at home. And what's also great about both Vera and Dennis and and John and several others, they know the history. They haven't just joined the party two years ago. You know, they've, (laughs) they've seen it come, they've seen it go, they've seen it go round and round and if you ever have a question about oh what was it like you know back then well like they say unless you know your history you're bound to repeat it right yeah i mean i just i just did the uh 40 like 40 year mark or whatever it's hard to believe it's been that long well you started when you were six no, not really. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> but but you know what's even more amazing is uh, is the people that have been in it even longer. I mean, you know, I'm um, you know I I'm involved with Eddie Trow. You know, he's been my my boyfriend for several years. <laughs> but um, Eddie Eddie is second generation, so Eddie grew up in it. You know, and that's that's what's really neat. What I you know my my little forty years. Uh, you know, we add a, a few more onto it, another 20, because he grew up in it, and his father's, a, you know, a, a greyhound pioneer in the Hall of Fame. So it's kind of neat that, you know, I get that little added bonus, you know, for my own personal experiences, and then I get even more from the days when it was, you know, when he was a kid, you know, and and all all things greyhound they did. So it, it really is it really is remarkable. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot, Vera. One favorite dog? Oh, gosh. I, I, I can't name a favorite. I really can't. I mean, I had a Whippet, and that was probably, if I had to go favorite, my little penners would probably be my favorite. But uh, I, really, I really couldn't pick because I've worked too many different racetracks. And I've, I've been at them when we've had our superstars, you know, all of our superstars. And it's, it's like, I, I really couldn't pick one. Well, how about you one know, that, really, how about one that just sticks to your memory when you think Greyhound, this is the dog you think of? Oh gosh. Okay. Uh, not any better there. No, but see, this was, this is why I asked. No, <laughs> no, it's so hard. I mean, I liked, um, you know, I mean, I loved I loved Dominator when he was at St. Pete. I loved because he he made the uh, 
athlete of the week. You know, he was on <laughs> the local news thing. So that was that was really special because they had all these football players and everything. Well, he was the first Greyhound to ever capture all of the all of the awards, Captain All America Team, the Royal Road, the Flashy Sir. He was the very first Greyhound to do that. And the fact that we got him on local news as the athlete of the week. I think that will always that's always <laughs> one of my my most precious because that was that was exciting, you know, and and he was in a magazine and you know, just things like that. That that really made it special. You know, I mean there's been there's been so many, believe me, but uh but he always kinda holds the place just because, you know, it was it was a great time, you know, to with racing and so much going on it at St. Pete and to be able to be the first dog in history to take all of those awards, you know, there, it was, it was special. Right. Well, that's cool. Well, and the reason why I asked, because I want the listeners to know, many of the industry, they love the dogs, whether it's the fastest dog in their kennel or the slowest dog in their kennel. Yeah. They love them all. Uh, TJ, any last words for today's show? Um, I guess the, the last words that I would have to say would be a little bit along that line. If you're if you are on Facebook or social media, Vera is also the one that's going to be out there um, talking on adoption pages, and she's like, "Oh, I'm so happy to see such and such got a home, and this one got a home." She, yeah. She's probably <laughs> right, and it's hard for her to pick one favorite because they're pretty much all her favorite. Um, so uh, I can understand her having a difficult time trying to pick one. Um, she she knows who they all are, and um, that that would probably be my parting thought as far as uh, our guest today. And and I do thank you, Vera, and I consider your your friendship very valuable. All right, John. Any last words? Oh, I kind of just echo what Tanya said. I think we've you know the Greyhound adoption movement has reached full maturity here in the U.S. with uh, a full partnership with with racing, and I just hope we can keep uh, keep it going for for a long time it's 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 a win-win for everybody exactly and i want to thank all the volunteers out there in greyhound adoption you guys are doing an amazing job highly respect what you do i want to thank vera for coming on today's show and sharing some of her wealth experience with us i'm sure we're going to have her back again i want to thank our engineer aaron for putting up with my crazy antics when we're off the air tacy <laughs> our wonderful producer who does a lot helping us out and for everyone out there, if you consider it, come to Heart of America this next June. You'll love it in Abilene, Kansas. You're going to learn a lot about the Greyhounds. Um, uh, Sandy Paws is coming up in a few months in, in March. March. That's another great event to attend. Um, I may be attending myself. And again, the one person has accepted for the great debate. Waiting on one more. Then once he accepted, we'll plan it out. Everyone. Hug those hounds of the world. Have a great weekend. Howl! Thank you for listening this week to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Please join your hosts, Rory Goray, TJ Beater, and Kathy Goray for another edition of our program next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a wonderful week.